Ladies and gentlemen, saints and missionaries, welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show that brings you the life-changing encounters of ordinary people that launch them into lives of extraordinary mission. When St. Paul encountered the living God on the road to Damascus, he became a missionary to the nations. Praise the Lord. I'm mm-hmm. your host, Dan Dimite, and I'm joined here in studio with my good friend and brother in Christ, Aaron Richards. Hey, everybody. Happy to be here. Aaron, how you doing today? So good. Oh, it's going to be a party. We've got the little nuns of Jesus and Mary joining us today. And a little friar. And the little friars of Jesus and Mary. We've got all kinds of little people of Jesus here today. <laughs> Woo! It's going to be fun. Uh Friends, Beyond Damascus is a co-production of St. Gabriel yes. Catholic Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. For those joining us for the first time, Aaron and I are leaders of a passionate, spirit-filled missionary community called mm-hmm. Damascus. We awaken, empower, and equip a generation to live the adventure of their Catholic faith through life-changing encounters. And this show is all about allowing those life-changing encounters to be shared with audiences Amen. of how we can encounter Jesus Christ like St. Paul on the road to Damascus and then live these lives beyond Damascus. Yes. After our conversion, we become real missionaries. Yeah. We like missionaries, right, Aaron? We do. Yes. Awesome. Can you open us in prayer today? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God, thank you for the missionary call that you've placed in each one of us and for the missionary call that you placed in the life of St. Paul. God, we pray that you would fill us with a spirit of evangelization, that you would give us a heart that breaks for others, Father, even as we listen right now, um, that you would give us a heart for those in our families, for those in our peer groups, for those in our spheres of influence, God, that you would uh, continue to inspire us with the, with the zeal to share your name, to share the life and the peace and the grace that you've offered to us with all those that we meet. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Aaron, in... Uh, Pope Francis's letter, The Joy of the Gospel, he yes. spoke of the fact that we need to be spirit-filled evangelizers, What's right? it mean to be a spirit-filled evangelizer? Oh, man, it means... It means to be fearlessly <laughs> open to the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Those are his words, not exactly. mine. Exactly. And so we, we're all about, like, fearlessly openness to the Holy Spirit, right? And fearless, I think it's fearless openness, fearless but yes. openness, fearlessly open, <laughs> yeah. Um, and sometimes it's really difficult, right? Because we want to stay in our comfort zones, yeah. and our guests today are going to just, they're going to witness to a fearlessness when it comes to evangelization and a real openness to the uh-huh. Holy Spirit. And it's funny that you were to use the word comfort zone because mm. these uh, our guests today are true witnesses of what it means to step out of everyday comfort into a life of evangelization. I was sharing with our with our students last night actually at camp that um, Pope Benedict says that we were not made for comfort. We were made for what? For greatness. Woo-hoo! And uh, and for one who's made for greatness, um, comfort can be a tremendous distraction. In fact, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we, I, uh, not to not to get down our our, our Damascus tangent, but um, the message we were preaching was the one of the narrow path, the narrow way, and that in the gospel Jesus shares that the narrow path is the one that leads to life, while the wide path is the is the path that leads to destruction. Right. So for for one who's destined for greatness, not for comfort, oftentimes comfort for us can actually be an invitation to destruction, okay? And uh, it's so good to be able to step into um, the 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 boldness and the courage and sometimes the the discomfort, oftentimes the discomfort that comes with 
with truly embracing a life of evangelization. Yeah, that's such a good word. I think, you know, mm-hmm. it's so countercultural too because culture uh, just kind of leads us to comfort as the end goal, right? Yeah. Like yeah. everything is, I make more money so I can get a nicer house and have more comforts, right? Like everything is leading towards this life of comfort. And even like, I mean, not that I'm anti-technology or anything, but if you look at the way... Just look like, at your computer production, and well, your phone, yeah, My computer and phone. Okay, fine. Uh, I'm not super tech savvy. That is true. Um, but everything leads to like making things easier, right? Like we always want to make things easier on ourselves or more comfortable yep. for ourselves. Yep. And I like went to buy a car last year and I couldn't find a car that didn't have like everything like all like beefed up i'm like i just want a normal car like but i've got screens and videos and cameras everywhere it's just because we're we're leaning society is moving towards ease and comfort all the time yeah. and, and so the gospel is so countercultural and almost startling in that you know even so many parents as a parent we want what is best for our children and sometimes we think what's best for our children is raising them to live a comfortable life but yep. what if that's not what jesus actually says the gospel is what's best for us. And and so we have to be um, careful and prudent as adults to say, wait a second, am I living the narrow path or did I accidentally find myself on the wide path that leads to destruction? And uh, at Damascus, we have sadly caved in all of our cabins, our air conditioned. Mm, and- <laughs> mm, beautiful. I love it. Yes. No. And it's great. And the, when we, when we witness to the gospel, yeah. um, the, the great thing is it's not just about, Jesus doesn't just want us to be uncomfortable in the sense of like, don't have air conditioning of in your course. house. That's not what we're getting at. No. He wants a, a discomforting evangelization. Absolutely. Then am I willing to get into tough conversations? Am I willing to maybe put myself out there uh, yep. at work when it's uncomfortable? And am I going to have a conversation? with a coworker that I know Holy Spirit's asking me yeah. to have, but I haven't jumped into it yet. And so today we're going to be listening to um, religious sisters and a religious friar who are living a life of holiness and uh, discomfort through being spirit-filled evangelizers and in a fearlessly reckless way. But that doesn't mean like, oh, that's nice because they're, you know, living the Franciscan spirit. That applies to them. Um, but because yeah. I'm living not the Francis, like it doesn't apply to me. Like it's this is the same call for everyone. And what I think we are called to do is religious are meant to teach us Amen. who we're called to be in yep. heaven, right? That yep. their lifestyle, what God is accomplishing in their life, we should look to that and say, God, you want that for me. And Absolutely. I'm longing for that same kind of holiness. Yep. That's so good. Um, And just by their witness, you know, uh, it's not necessarily, it's not always an either or. um, But the the reality is that for most Catholics, that uh, our our go-to is always the least common denominator, Mm -hmm. right? Our go-to is always... uh, is is always that this is this is a call that's meant for somebody else um and it's so good to see through the witness of others that uh that that we do share this common call so let's be inspired today let's be inspired by the witness of our guests today i hope that even as you guys i mean so many of our listeners uh of course our damascus missionaries are listening in um but how many of you wouldn't consider yourself missionaries on a daily basis how many of you wouldn't consider yourselves called to full-time ministry and the reality is we are all of us are every single one of you listening today is a missionary why because the spirit of the church is a missionary spirit 
And as a member of our church, you are called to a life of evangelization. You're called to a life of radical missionary discipleship. Yes, and, that's so good. Uh, and it may not look like the missionaries of Damascus. It may not look like Dan or myself. And it may not look like uh, the brothers or sisters, the friars or sisters that we're going to be speaking to today. But um, it it does look like a missionary life. Mm-hmm. And um, as as we're able to enter in, and experience a diversity of calls and lifestyles, God can speak to us in profound ways. One of the things that um, I was speaking to the campers last week about is just the word missionary. Mm -hmm. What does a missionary do? They go into a foreign and sometimes hostile territory, and they claim that territory for Christ Jesus, right? That they labor in this new territory so that it can be claimed for the gospel. And I I think about our Catholic lay people, and I I wonder how hostile and new is the the gospel in your workplace, right? That, That truly you are a missionary because you are being sent into the secular world to make the gospel present in the secular world that that you are you are called as a as you know i love saint patrick the great like one of the greatest missionaries of our time he went into ireland and he claimed an entire nation for jesus yeah. and that you are called listeners as as missionaries of the gospel to go into your workplace and to claim it for jesus and to go into your communities and to claim them for jesus and it's not the priest's job to do that right the priest they're meant to minister to us the sheep and then they they send us forth on sundays it's like yeah. go forth and live the gospel right proclaim the gospel go let this mass the body of christ you've received go be the body of christ so we are truly the missionaries and the priests are meant to feed us and to fuel us and to sustain us so with the sacraments so that we can go and and claim hostile new territories for jesus christ well let's be honest it's not just the workplace it's not just the you know the world that is the hostile territory i mean i speak to parents right now like how many of you would consider sometimes your home itself to be a hostile territory. Uh, we are <laughs> on been mission. hostile takeovers in my household, for sure. <laughs> we are on mission every oh, day. No. The children are running the house. What every happened? Every day. Yeah. Good. Well, we're going to take a break, and right. we'll be right back, and we'll be welcoming today's guests. All right. You're listening to Beyond Damascus, a co-production of St. Gabriel Catholic Radio and EWTN Radio, and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. We'll be right back. Sometimes God doesn't change your problems because he's trying to use your problems to change you. Maybe he doesn't remove that obstacle to your goals because he loves you way too much to give you what you want and he wants you to change your goals. Maybe nothing's working as you planned because God doesn't like your plan. I pray many times, okay, Lord, I give up. To which I can almost hear him reply, finally, I've been trying to get you to do that for so long. We tend to blame our problems on everyone else. It's not me, it's my boss, the weather, my husband, the monthly payment on that car I shouldn't have bought because I can't afford it. (laughs) You know, I almost never hear people say, Chris, I think I need to just change myself. So I want to propose this. Maybe, just maybe, the main thing standing between you and your peace of mind is you. How far does God have to push for you to say, okay, Lord, I give up. Let's try things your way. How about we change me to obtain the peace that I'm dreaming about? Send us a message at connect at reallifecatholic.com. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com.
Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, a show that brings you the life-changing encounters of ordinary people that live lives of extraordinary mission. Yes. So, Aaron, we are going to welcome on our show right now, here in studio, some men and women living some extraordinary mission. Let's yes. give it up for the little sisters and friars of Jesus and Mary. Yes. Welcome, guys. Okay, so listeners, I wish you could be here in studio with us because it looks like we have some like desert gypsies with us. Like, so our our beautiful sisters, we prefer, we prefer Jedi. Oh, Jedi gypsies. Okay, yeah, yeah. We've, they're Jedi's. They, they've got lightsabers. No, um, but they they basically you li- you're you're wearing almost sackcloth, right? Like your habits are meant to uh, resemble that of sackcloth. Can you just explain? Give a visual, just so our listeners know who we're talking to. A visual of why do, why do you wear what you wear uh, yes the sackcloth come from the the word of jesus in the gospel when he, he speak about the inhabitant uh, of uh, Nineveh uh, that they converted wearing the sackcloth so the sackcloth for our founder is a clear sign of uh, conversion changing of life that's yeah. amazing and so that was friar nathaniel so friar nathaniel can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you mm-hmm. came to encounter jesus and how he changed your life uh yes surely. and you have an accent where are you from so i'm a french friar oh yeah <laughs> not a french fry but a french friar i say uh, dip this man in ketchup <laughs> i cannot so i can also say that i am a fresh french friar because i was only in October, uh, last October, so sorry, <laughs> nice. uh, I anticipate sorry for my English. <laughs> no, it's amazing. You're doing so you great. came to the States in October. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. Yes. So, and wh- how did you come to relationship with Jesus? Um, so, um, personally, I <laughs> I was completely unbeliever until uh, 17, so my parents uh, were not believers. They didn't baptize me. They didn't give me a... Uh, Christian or Catholic education, nothing. But um, step by step, I began to to realize that it was many coincidences in my life, and I began to to think, uh, to ask myself, is it really uh, rational to think that everything happened by chance? Mm. And uh, in this year, where I was I was wondering about these questions, I met my ex girlfriend. Okay. Could who, think she's ex. <laughs> <laughs> who uh, uh, was coming back to the church? She was educate. Uh, she had been educated in the Catholic faith. Oh, nice! But uh, in the, the adolescence, as you know, sometimes mm-hmm. uh, they go we call far. that evangelizing, right? When and so yes, yeah, evangelize. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I have a French, a French correspondent word. And I followed her in a, in like a retreat, and I met a priest, and I told him because I was I was part from uh, some anarchist group. Uh, so before to this anarchist, I asked them, uh, "Are you sure that to change the world you need uh, um, the violence, uh, a violent, a physical violence to change the world, a revolution like a violent mm-hmm. physical revolution?" Yeah. And they told me, yes, it's the only way, and, and so on. But I was not satisfied by this answer. So when I met this priest, I asked him, how your Jesus pretend to change the world without violence? And so he began to, to tell me, you can uh, analyze the fruit of the violent revolution in the world, and you will see if there are good fruits. Hmm. And it struck me, and in the same time, uh, one week before, I, I walked in the mountain with my friends as every year, 
and I began to feel really a sense of guilt yeah. uh, in, in what I, I was living in this time. Even if I didn't have a moral education, uh, like my conscience in a certain way was pushing me in a certain direction. So I told to the priest, so I'm not, I'm not baptized, but if, you, if I tell you some bad thing that I did and you give me a blessing, uh, you can you can give me a blessing. Uh, it's uh, the priest answer. Yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> so you went to confession, basically. <laughs> so it was not a confession, uh, but I, I told him I, I can be confessed. But he he did that, and when uh, I received the blessing, I received a really great joy, peace, and strength that I never experienced. Oh, uh, the Holy Spirit! All That's the, awesome. Uh, I was a, a Rasta. Uh, so I used to consume many strange substances and other <laughs> things, and I and never experienced something like that. Yeah, <laughs> praise the Lord. Before. Jesus is the greatest high so, we can experience. There is nothing to compare with the peace of Jesus and joy. That awesome. That's great. That, That's great. That is a beautiful testimony. Maybe I can tell you something about our charism. Yes, please do so. Uh, so uh, our community, uh, Little Friars and Little Nuns of Jesus and Mary, uh, is uh, founded by uh, a friar Volantino, a uh, founder, 20 years ago in Sicily. In Sicily. Awesome. That's amazing. And uh, friar, friar Volantino Verde means uh, green flyers. <laughs> <laughs> because God, God called him uh, to be like a living flyer to bring the gospel with his life. Oh my goodness, yes. And green because of the hope of the resurrection. So green fire, F- green f- flyer, flyer, yeah. awesome, green flyer. awesome. Praise the Lord. In Italian, volantino verde means nice. green flyer. Nice, awesome. Yeah. So the the community was approved um, the last uh, uh, May thirteen, nice thirty one, thirty first, uh, two thousand nineteen. Wow. Uh, definitively, uh, as a public association. In the foresight to become an institute of consecrated life. Yes, congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Praise the Lord in Sicily. Yeah. That's amazing. By a bishop, the, the reverend bishop, Monsignor Stadiano in Sicily, yeah, in Noto. And uh, our charism, uh, in few words, um, beyond the prayers, the contemplation, uh, is also the evangelization on the road. Uh, a little bit as when Jesus, then the apostle, Without bag, without money, without staff, yep. without bread. And so trusting in the providence uh, on food and hitchhiking on the road of all the world. <laughs> so you take the gospel on the road, realistically following, you know, the literal words of Jesus, that you take nothing with you, yes. you take no money with you, yes. you don't have a car to drive in. It's not that money or bad. We always precise this, that you can do many great and good things for God with money. But it's a way to show to the people that the how great is the providence of the Lord. Yeah. And so in this way, to leave this as the scriptural passage of the gospel, and to help us so many people who have like a spirit of accusation, especially in Europe where we were founded, uh, accuse the church. Ah, the church is so. The church is so. But when they see this kind of witness of poverty that is a profound it, witness it helped them to to listen 
And so after the center of our charism is to help the people to come back to the sacrament, especially yeah. the Holy Confession and the Holy Communion. Yeah. <laughs> so there is a, 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 sim, a funny example that our founder used to define our charism. He listened the the, the phrase of Saint Teresa uh, of the little child. He yep. said, "In the in the church, I want to be the heart. I want to be the love." And our founder asked himself, uh, "What could we be? In what the, do we want to be? <laughs> what do we want to be in the, church? Uh, in the church in the body of Christ?" And so he, he, he said, ah, we could be like the blood <laughs> because the blood takes from the lungs uh, oxygen, uh, from the uh, many other organs, so proteins and other things like that, vitamins, and bring this to the muscles and other parts of the body. And so we have this mission to be firstly contemplative, like the first Camelite, yeah, and also active to... To, have, to bring this spiritual vitamin uh, of the teaching of the church and of the uh, that God uh, led us in the revelation uh, to uh, the end of the world. So, Praise hey, Amen. I love that. Thank you so much, Friar. Can you share real quick on your on your habit? You've got a green V, and it's hidden behind the Franciscan cross. Can you share why there's that significance? Yeah, the green V is. Um, uh, v for victory, Woo, victory. over <laughs> the sin and over death. And uh, green, because uh, Jeremiah said, Blessed the man who trusts in the Lord. He's like a green tree, a tree evergreen. Even huh. when the dry of the test uh, comes, he will not lose his leaves. That's oh, awesome. I love it. And it's hidden behind the cross. Now, why is the green victory hidden yes, behind the cross? Behind the, the cross uh, is ever hidden with search God, the resurrection. Yes. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Oh, <laughs> I love it. Okay, so they wear sackcloth uh, to show repentance and conversion, mm-hmm. and you strive to lead people to uh, confession. So why don't we introduce the sisters as well? So we have Sister Eliora. Keeping good. <laughs> and, and sister, where are you from? I am from Arizona, oh, the desert. All right, yep. yeah. So you really are a desert gypsy. I'm just kidding. Uh, kind of, Okay, yeah. great. Yeah, I, I actually, I blend in better back home. So these were your normal clothes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't gotten no. your habit yet. Uh, and then Sister Afata. Yes, peace and good. Yes, and what does your name mean, sister? And uh, it's a Hebrew word, right? Yes, exactly. Jesus says that in Mark seven thirty four. And it means be open, like Jesus basically heals a, a deaf and dumb man by yes. putting his fingers in his ears and saying, Ephatha, and then he, he starts to hear and to speak. Yes, That's this lady is named after a healing of Jesus. I love it, <laughs> man. Oh, That's so a mission fire. in every name. <laughs> Excellent, yes. yes. Okay, and so you guys are just a beautiful witness as well to God's joy and his purity. Could you share a little bit about your testimony and how you came to faith in Jesus Christ? Mm-hmm. Sister Ephatha, do you want to go first? Yes. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, so um, I I was born in a Lutheran family in Germany, mm-hmm. and when I was four years old, I had an accident. My right leg was cut off, so since then I have a, a prosthesis. A, what? An, yes. I didn't even know that. Yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm used to it because I, I had it as a little child. So, But however, when I grew up, like it caused many questions in my mind, like what's the sense of suffering, of death, of injustice? So um, I grew up um, learning to have faith, but uh, I lost it actually throughout my teenage years because like, I didn't have an answer really to my sufferings. And I also was very shy, so I didn't ask many questions. Um, I, I went into depression for several years. I started to cut. 
I attempted suicide. Only later I, I learned that suicide is really not um, to get out of your sufferings, but that you would even get in much more deeply into the mm. suffering. So later on I confessed for that. But however, all of these experiences during which I also lost my faith in God uh, brought me to the point where I, I even got into bad friendships, like people who took drugs, alcohol. But hanging out with those people in a house that they called the abyss, Mm, they called their house the, the abyss. abyss oh. yes, because, yeah, that's hopeful. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but God was so great even to speak to me there because yeah. Yeah. one of my friends whom I really admired because he had this kind of free spirit, um, he said that sometimes he would take the Bible and open it and just read whatever came under his eyes. And he found these kind of messages of the spirit, he said. So this kind of supernatural contact I also wanted to have because mm -hmm. I really found it cool. So after years that I didn't take my Bible in hand, I, I went back home and, and started to do that. And only later a priest told me that you should really pray before, you know, but at the time I didn't really have faith. So when I started to read the Bible and read the, those words, sometimes I found like those very often those answers to my thoughts or something I read and it happened to me, you know, so I really found that this is a living word. Like, and so, and then also when I walked outside in nature, I looked at the trees, looked at the grass. Who made all of this, I asked myself. I didn't make it. My parents didn't make it. There must be a superior being who made all of this. Mm. So I found my faith back in God. Like I, I found the faith in God. And then the more I had this faith in the gospel that Jesus really, like this is the word of God, I wanted to live it in the most radical way. And so when Jesus, I often opened the Bible and heard those, like read those words of Jesus, you know, go without bread, without cane, without a bag, you know, and I wanted to live it, but I, I thought, how can I live it, like, by myself, and nobody lives there today, you know, nobody, nobody lives without money. How can I even get along with a prosthesis, you know, a handicap if I need something? So um, I did a formation in media design, and during that time, I went to Assisi also, just on vacation, not connected with the media design, but I got to know the, the story of St. Francis and was amazed by his like reading the gospel and putting it into action, you know, without fear. And uh, still, when I came back, I found myself still in this difficulty. How can I live it, you know? Yeah. And then also at the time, I, re I read a book of Paulo Coelho about the Camino in Spain, uh, the Camino. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're from Spain, right, sister? No, I'm German. Oh, you're German. <laughs> yes. oh, okay, well, that is way off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I said that at the beginning. Oh, so. I'm not but, a great listener. Have mercy on uh, me. No worries. <laughs> you do a great job. <laughs> yes. Um, so, <laughs> however, um, I, I went on the Camino just because I felt a real great push to go there, you know, and... Um, also in the occasion of the death of my grandmother, I saw my cousin and he had walked the Camino and he told me great things about it. So I really took that as a sign for God, of God, you know, let me go there. Um, and so I went with the backpack, had my Bible with me and, uh, started walking. So wow. about 700 miles to the <laughs> north of Spain. <laughs> and you have a prosthetic leg. Yes, That's I do. Amazing. Yeah. God gave me the strength. I really had to pray hard, you know, that he would give me the strength to do it. But however, also during this way, I, I prayed, Lord, let me find my mission. Why mm. am I here? Why am I born on this earth? Um, and so uh, in one, one night, I met at a hostel, at a pilgrim's hostel. I met these two friars dressed in a habit. I had never seen something like that. Mm -hmm. And so they told me they come from Sicily to Spain, walking and hitchhiking without money, without a bag, without water, no food. 
You know, I saw the gospel put into practice still today, and I was amazed. I felt that fire in my heart like the disciples of Emmaus, you know, like that fire that Jesus was speaking to me. And pretty quickly I figured, okay, <laughs> the Lord is wanting me to go with them. But then fear creeped in, and so um, after finishing the walk, like I went back to Germany, finished my formation, because I actually had interrupted my formation media design. Then I thought also of going into fine arts in Hamburg, but... At that time, at that point, um, after about a year and a half that I met the community, I decided really to go to, Spain, uh, to Sicily and uh, do a vocational experience with them because they had actually left me their contact, and the contact of a family close by because they didn't have a cell phone also. <laughs> um, <laughs> so good. Yes, and so during that vocational experience, um, the founder of our community helped me. It was really essential in helping me to understand the roots of the Catholic faith. Yep. Because I didn't realize that as a Protestant, you cannot enter a religious Catholic community. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, however... Hmm, interesting. <laughs> yes. It's the one I, thing they get you on every time. Yeah, there was a lot of foundational Jeez, so details. many rules. <laughs> Yeah, so um, he explained to me something that I never figured before, like that Jesus built his church on Peter, you know, Matthew sixteen eighteen, you are Peter and you are built my church, you know, so he's the first pope. And then St. Paul says in Ephesians three twenty one, to God be the glory in the church from generation to generation. So yes. pope after pope after pope, this full truth and blessing of Jesus has been always in the Catholic church. Now, obviously, as Protestants also have a part of the truth, but as they have broken away from the fullness, there's only a part. So, and I, I wanted to have that fullness. And so I also prayed about the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. Yep. Found the faith in that because I had many signs of confirmation. Also, especially the words of Jesus. You know, when he says, in truth, in truth, I tell you, my, my body is true food and my blood is true drink. It's not a symbolism. And then also the Eucharistic miracle of Lanciano. Oh, yes. Uh, so, truly amazing. So... After I converted to Catholicism in three months, which was <laughs> quite... <laughs> Drinking from a fire hose there. <laughs> yes. You're so. not very ambitious, are you, sister? <laughs> <laughs> For God. Yeah. <laughs> For saving souls. So. Amen. And, and then also I prayed about becoming a, a bride of Jesus. So he made me understand very clearly that he wanted me to be dressed in this habit, in this mm -hmm. sackcloth, uh, forever. And um, so, yeah, this is why I'm here. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Let's give Jesus just praise for what he's accomplished That's in your awesome. life. That's so beautiful. Oh, and a little detail that I forgot. I said I have a prosthesis, a prosthetic leg. Mm -hmm. One thing that I always dreamt about in my youth was that how beautiful would it be to have just a perfect, beautiful body that is forever young, you know? And I didn't know that Jesus actually offers us that. Amen. And specifically through the Eucharist, because he says, who eats my body and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will rise him on the last day. Yeah. This is something that I learned in the community. So one day, also this body that is now handicapped, one day will be fully and completely perfect and amen. immortal and young at the party without end in heaven. Yes, amen. amen. You're going to be dancing more than anyone else too, sister. I know it. Awesome. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Oh, man. All right, Sister Eliora, can you tell us, um, you're a convert as well, right? I am. We have, man, so apparently if you convert to Catholicism, then you just live life way more radically. So, um, so Lord, send us more converts, please. So amen. Share with us, we have about five minutes before break, share with us um, your uh, experience of encountering Jesus Christ. All right. Yeah, so I did I grew up Protestant, uh, sort of Bible church, evangelical, really beautiful upbringing. My parents really yeah. brought me up, you know, loving Jesus, reading my Bible. By the time I got to college, reading your Bible is what you did every morning. Like, that's just part of life. 
So uh, definitely the Lord was, was a big part of my young adult life. But in college, I started to really feel a disconnect between the fact that on one side, I'm this like super poetic. I love nature. I just love to stare at the trees because they're beautiful and like stuff <laughs> is awesome. Um, and I just I have this like just deep appreciation for the created world. But on the other hand, I had this sort of spiritualized Protestant faith in God that was like me and Jesus spiritually. And I started to really feel a kind of tension between this love for created things, this love for matter, and the fact that my relationship with God was really just a very spiritual sort of thing. And I I realize now that what I was longing for was God in the flesh. Like yep. I, I wanted to see that God could work through matter in a way that mattered. And mm. I now have the words to articulate that what I was looking for was the sacraments. But, you know, in college, I wasn't quite, like, this was all very foggy in college, but I, I had some really beautiful Catholic friends, some beautiful Catholic professors, and I started to really lean towards the liturgy heavily. Accidentally went to an Easter vigil one year. That's a whole different story. Uh, fatal Se- fatal secret. mistake. <laughs> Secretly loved it. Um, and, yeah, just came, like, re- reading, even reading T.S. Eliot, who was a great Anglican, but his, his faith, his liturgical faith, really informed him and really gave him hope at a dark time in world history, which was quite recent. So I came to realize that what I was looking for in terms of religion would have to involve liturgy, that the, the sanctification of time and space comes in a liturgical kind of way. So I <laughs> Wait, actually, how old were you when you were discovering this truth? Uh, 18, 19. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah. You were such a nerd. Yeah. And I love <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every 18-year-old's discovering that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, space and time, liturgy. <laughs> God is great. Got so, uh, But the thing was, I secretly, secretly, secretly wanted to be Catholic, but I was really afraid that if I looked at that straight on, that I would find that it wasn't true and it would break my heart. So I decided not to look at it. I decided I was too biased and I couldn't look at it accurately, so I would stay away. Really convoluted. The devil really messes up like your thought process sometimes. Mm. Um, but I did like liturgy, so I ended up actually going to an Anglican church for yep. about three years. Really beautiful, conservative community. Um, really grew in my faith. Uh, made some really wonderful friends. But I ended up back in Phoenix, back teaching. Great teaching job. Back smack dab in the middle of a bunch of convert Catholics because the Lord wouldn't let me get away from this question of Rome this question of the sacraments. And one, one day, one of my friends, one of my Catholic convert friends, told me about the apostolic succession and how it broke off for the Anglicans. And that was a huge crack in my foundations because yeah. I already believed in the real presence of Jesus in what I thought was the Anglican Mass. I already believed in the sacramental power of confession with an Anglican priest. I was already frequenting both of those what I thought were sacraments. And realizing that that man possibly wasn't actually a priest in the apostolic succession— was obviously a little shattering because that meant yeah. that, you know, that if he's not really a priest, that's not really Jesus on the altar. If he's not really a mm. priest, I'm putting him in a, in a position he has no business being in when he says, like, he's remitting my sins. So uh, four years ago, actually, the beginning of Lent is when I decided to just look at the Catholic question straight on and be like, I need, I need to figure this out. So God just opened up all the doors that Lent. It was a crazily wonderful Lent. I started reading through the catechism. I started talking to priests. I started secretly going to Mass on Saturdays and Tuesdays when my family wouldn't know. And the the doors, like <laughs> I said... Sneaking to yeah. Mass. You've been sneaking out of the house, haven't you? I was a yes, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to church in the row with the Romans. Yeah, and the thing was, every page of the catechism, I would read it and I'd be like, I believe this. Like, I believe this. Why yep. Why am I not Catholic? Like, I believe all of this. Mm-hmm. The Lord has just filled in this mosaic for the last, like, six years of my life. So... By Easter, I told my family, I think I'm becoming Catholic. And I went, I met met the priest at the parish I've been sneaking off to. 
he agreed to meet with me and we agreed. I mean, he agreed that, you know, I've been reading myself into the church for about six years at that point. So he agreed to go ahead and confirm me. Yeah. Praise be Jesus Christ. I didn't have to wait another year to receive the sacraments. Um, That's so cool. Yeah. So I was received the day before Pentecost four years ago. My first communion was Pentecost Sunday. Which yeah. Pretty awesome. Oh my goodness. So. Spirit filled evangelizers, man. You know, I, I just want to make an observation about all three of you. And it's, it's, it's really profound. I think so many times, um, we would identify that many Catholics do go through this process of, uh, I'll, I'll use the generic term, like a, an intellectual conversion, okay, where through a desire to change the world or through a desire to see God in, in, in science and in, in reality and, um, or in a, in a desire just to, to encounter that truth spoken to you, that each one of you kind of went through this this internal moment. There wasn't like... It wasn't like God saved me from the slum. God saved me from addiction. You know, like sometimes we hear that that Saint Paul moment. Um, but I think oftentimes when we go through that intellectual conversion, the temptation is to come back inward and just to stay a quiet, reserved, you know, um, private Catholic. Mm. And I, I just want to I want to to just identify that through this. Um, internal personal conversion that you've experienced each one of you has been launched into a life of extraordinary mission um it's it's you know it's not about it's not the the contemplative life naturally leads to a charismatic expression right that's what we say all the time yep. that 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 there's not a there's not a distinction here between between a contemplative a carmelite lifestyle and and the charismatic call of the mission of the church that that you know, our church would say that these are co-essential elements, right? I'm into that. Yeah. So you guys live a Carmelite and a Franciscan spirituality, correct? And yet you are fearlessly open to the Holy Spirit. And it's just, you can just uh, see it in your joy and in your witness. Mm-hmm. I love it. We're going to take a short break. When we get back, we're going to close up this incredible episode with the dear uh, little nuns and little friars of Jesus and Mary. You are listening to Beyond Damascus, a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. We will be right back. There's a great saying that we should be a thermostat and not a thermometer. A thermometer reads the temperature of the room and responds to it. A thermostat sets the temperature of the room. You're going to walk into lots of rooms today, lots of situations and scenarios in your life. Are you responding to everybody else around you, or are you setting the spiritual temperature? Do you find yourself constantly responding to how your kids are acting? Are you letting that determine the kind of father you are? If you got teens in the house, that's not a good idea. Are you basing the kind of spouse you are today on how good your husband or wife's mood is? Are you responsive to the virtue or lack thereof in your workplace and letting that determine how you interact with the people around you? No, no, no. Start being responsive to God. Keep the person He's calling you to be today front and center. If you're true to that, even if you're quiet, Whatever room you walk into, a wave of grace will follow you. Send us a message at connect at reallifecatholic.com. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com. Hello. 
Hello and welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show that brings you the life-changing testimonies of ordinary people that are launched into lives of extraordinary mission. So Aaron, we are talking to three amazing yes. missionaries of the Lord. So you've had these incredible life-changing experiences like St. Paul did on the road to Damascus, but you didn't stop there. And that, that would be such a sad, sad story if Jesus was like, I love you so much, I'm going to change your life. And you're like, thanks God, and I'm going to keep it for myself, yeah. right? But instead, it's about what happens beyond Damascus. After that conversion experience, you went and you gave your life to the Lord. Sister um, Eliora, can you explain how you encountered the community? Like, uh, Because you guys are brand new to America. You're in Phoenix, Arizona. You convert to Catholicism, and now all of a sudden you are a desert gypsy. So <laughs> what, what happened? <laughs> I also true. want to point out one more thing about their, their habits. So it appears that you have a little Catholic fanny pack, right? Like on the side of their belt, they have a sack that they carry there because they hitchhike. And so you've it's got your Bible. Yeah, you have your Bible. Bible. <laughs> and the psalm is is written a uh, geared your sword uh, warrior at your at your tie. Oh my, that's and, awesome! And so Saint Paul, you know, explained that the sword of the spirit is the Bible, <laughs> the, oh. the word of God. So it's and not so, a fanny pack; it's a sheath to hold the sword of the spirit. Yeah, often <laughs> I, I, got th- it. I think that especially in the United States is useful when we met Protestants and we try to to explain them. Where is grounded everything that we do in the Catholic Church in the Bible? Yes, I love it. It's really interesting to show them the the Word of God. Yes, Yes. Catholics who carry Bibles, bring that back. Thank you, Jesus. We need more of that. Okay, sorry, sister. Explain. How did you find this incredible congregation? All right, for sure. So after I converted, I thought all the big life decisions were over. Uh That was, whoo, I was good to go. Mm -hmm. I had a little apartment. I could, like, get a cat and just teach forever, and it would be great. (laughs) Literally, like, yeah. So, like, two months later, I start discerning and the whole world just starts over again because yep. there's another really big decision on the on the yep. line. So I discerned for a while, probably about a year, and I started well first I Googled how do you become a hermit. <laughs> Normal. Speaking yes. of comfort Every day. zones. You're on, a, you're, you're on an FBI watch list yeah. now. <laughs> and, then, and then I looked up the Carthusians, because they're the closest you can get to being a hermit, but actually being community, but none of them speak English, so that yeah, was off the list. makes it difficult. Yeah. So eventually, the Lord led me through a process of realizing I'm not called to be a hermit. I'm called to step out of my comfort zone and probably actually evangelize like with people with my face yep. like in the world. So I started leaning that way, started leaning very Franciscan. I love St. Francis. I'd had a very beautiful just experience on Mount Laverna where St. Francis actually received the stigmata. Um, nothing mystical, just a lot of peace there. And awesome. I think that's part of where my, my real call began. Mm-hmm. So I was looking at some Franciscan communities, just really, again, love St. Francis, loved his spirit. And the Lord, again, just opened the doors. So I was driving to work and had Catholic radio on, and mm-hmm. I heard an ad for Vocation Boom, which is a website for priests. And for some reason, those words just kind of popped in my mind. Like, they just, the way the, way the words do sometimes when you need to pay attention to them. So I, I get to work, I look up Vocation Boom, because discernment's discernment. You might find something helpful there. And they had a page for religious orders, and a lot of religious orders have female branches as well. So I decided to go look there. They just had a ton of religious orders on this page. And so I just flipped through them sort of willy-nilly and ended up coming across a little blurb about our community, which is a little surprising to me now on this side because our community is so young and so small that there's not a lot of third-party sites that pick us up. Yeah. So to me, that's definitely a God thing, that God led me to a place where there just happened to be a little blurb about this bizarre community that runs around <laughs> in sackcloth-looking garments <laughs> and like, doesn't Amen. use money and hitchhikes across the world. Exactly. And, yeah, that's super cool. I love so this. So I was just intrigued. I quickly backburnered all the other things I was discerning with or interested in and just 
kept coming back for more to this community, yeah. and, and yeah, here yeah. I am in a habit. So praise to Jesus Christ. Yes, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and so the reason they're with us is actually because so the, they reached out. We, we run Catholic Youth Summer Camp at Damascus, and we have 500 young people encountering the living God this week at Damascus. Mm-hmm. And we're just so blessed to have religious present with us uh, while there. And um, uh, I was like, I'm sorry, we, we don't have it in the budget this year to like fly uh, religious out. And they're like, oh, well, we'll just hitchhike there. And so <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, of course you will. And I love it. And Friar Nathaniel, you're not afraid to hitchhike because you have the sisters with you, right, to protect you. And so you're like, I'm okay. Like, I can handle this. This isn't scary, right? Uh, And and so can you tell us some of the stories, like, as you evangelize uh, this this, uh, lost and hurting world, what are some of the powerful experiences you've seen? Oh, it should be many things to to say. I I remember something uh, of my first uh, experience when I was in Italy because of as we say, the community began in Italy, so yep. I passed 11 years there. And uh, in my novitiate, I was um, I was going from uh, South Italy, Calabria, to Lourdes in France uh, with two sisters. So yes. I was sure with the sisters. <laughs> You're the chaperone, <laughs> uh, uh, right? <laughs> and um, I, it was a uh, sister Ifata with me. Nice. Uh, and we, we went... Um, Actually, before to, to arrive in Lourdes, we had to pass in Rome to renew the German passport of Sister mm-hmm. Efeta. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we get a ride in the south of Italy. Uh, a man was going to Florence, so north from Rome. And so it was really good for us. Uh, it was a group of prayer because we have also some groups of prayers. Uh, we meditate the Holy Rosary. Uh, in a certain way with some cards. So before each decays, they, they have this kind of meditation with a, a piece of the Word of God, the Word uh, of saints, the yeah. teaching of the Catholic Church, and some practical meditation to understand how to apply this Word of God. And so different uh, groups are in Italy, in different in, in different places in Latin America, also in the United States. So it was one in the near of Naples, between Naples and Rome. And we had to visit them, and they were waiting us. Uh, so we had no problem to hitchhike also during the evening, the night. Oh, naturally. Because it was already maybe nine uh, of the night when this man was continuing uh, to bring us uh, on the road. But at a certain point, because normally we, we go out from the the highway at uh, in Italy at five in the United States at three p.m. to search uh, hospitality, you know, uh, mm-hmm. to ask the parish priest uh, to find a place uh, to live for the night. Yeah, to, <laughs> to find a place to, to, because Jesus said that in the gospel when you enter in a village, uh, ask to a person who is worthy uh, a place to stay. Yeah, and give peace <laughs> to their house. <laughs> yeah. So we had already the place to stay because it was this group of prayer was waiting us. But the problem is that I was not. Mm, with not much experience, <laughs> so I evangelized. <laughs> you were a fresh friar, yeah, a fresh, fresh French friar. I evangelized. Maybe uh, I, I want. I don't want to say too much for me, but for him it was too much. Uh, maybe I <laughs> too much. This man, <laughs> and he told me, he told me at a certain point, "Oh, right, finally, I will pass by another road, so I have to to drop you here." So <laughs> he, he, dropped us, he dropped us in the night. 
So it was almost 10 of the night. And so I was with two sisters. Normally, we don't eat child at night. Yeah. <laughs> but we didn't have really choice. because. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Let's we, do it. <laughs> we found someone quickly, a man from Naples, who saw us on the street. And he told us, hey, come on in my car. And his, his wife was saying, no, you, they're, they're surely delinquent uh, people uh, <laughs> who is like, uh, how do you say, something uh, oh, yeah, criminals. dressed <laughs> to... Who, who would dress like that? <laughs> <laughs> Don't pick them up. <laughs> but that this man was really, was really welcoming and uh, passionate by the Bible. He was really interested by the history of the Hebrews in the desert. So he had really a, a knowledge of the Bible, but sacrament nothing. So no confession, no communion. So we tried with the sisters to help these men to understand the importance of the Holy Confession, Holy Communion, with some care of reading that our founder used. So in simplicity, but also mm -hmm. uh, in a certain rational way with some concrete examples. And uh, at the end, he, he told us, okay, I will kick the devil in the back. I will go to confess me. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and uh, he told me, uh, but when you come back from Rome, Back to my house, but I, because I have to present you other people from my family and everything. Wow! And we we told him, okay, maybe if if the Lord permits, it will be with glad with, with joy. So we went uh, in the group of prayer. We take we took care of the group of prayer. We went after in Rome, but in Rome the German embassy told us, uh, as you are from South Italy, really South South, uh, you have to 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 deal with. Uh, Consulate of Naples, not not of Rome. <laughs> <laughs> and so we went back in Naples, and um, and there we stood uh, three days in the house of this man. So we evangelized. We stayed. We, we stayed. Sorry, we stayed. Uh, we evangelized uh, how the people was, were working with him because he, he had like a wow a enterprise of flowers, dry flowers. Nice, a business, yeah. With the wedding and funerals and all <coughs> the thing like that. And um, <clears throat> after we, we went back, after a while, uh, we went back in, in South Italy. And uh, after some weeks, I called him to... In uh, this time, it was still the telephonic cabin. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and we had uh, some benefactor gave us some like card. Uh -huh. So I called him. So all right, uh, Chiro is his name. Yeah, all right. Uh, yes, Nathaniel, I, I I want to ask you prayer because I didn't say you, but uh, every month there are people from the Camorra. Camorra is a mafia in Naples. Yep, and these people uh, went to uh, came every month to ask me uh, money and it's every higher price and they threat my wife and my children. Wow. So Chiro already when we passed in his house was already confessed and uh, took the communion uh, as his wife. Wow. wow. And he told me uh, <coughs> this month it was 10 years that they did this but this month I decided to to uh, to denounce them to the police. <laughs> and so Holy pray, cow. Pray for me and my family. Because, yeah. uh, and so I told him in a certain way, oh, maybe as the Lord delivered you from your sin uh, with a confession, 
maybe he want to deliver you also from this this oppression yeah and so we i asked to the, all the community our community in south italy to pray for him and um after a while uh after some two weeks i called him again and he told me okay nathaniel the the policeman went inside the the backyard of the the store where i am the day where where the men of the camaro were going and they they took everybody they put in the in the jewel Wow. Oh, <laughs> praise Jesus. He and does the, bring victory, right? I love that. They, right. they, and, and this man, sorry, the last thing, last thing, this man after um, the, the policeman made round around the, the stores for, for several uh, months to avoid vengeance. And after, for several years, he was going in the sacrament and not going. And when he was not going... Problem, other problems. Oh, went. yes. But after some time, he understood. Okay, that <laughs> got is it. the way. <laughs> Jesus Christ sets the oppressed free. Amen. All right, okay. sister, do you have a story you can tell super yes. fast? One minute. Yes. Okay. So uh, in 2013, we did our first long pilgrimage in, in America to Pensacola in Florida yep. from Homer. And uh, at the time, uh, my prosthetic leg was really messed up. I had to fix it with duct tape. I could still walk, you know, still some weeks ago, you know. But <laughs> we had many things going on at the time, like visa stuff and studies and this and that. So many benefactors already helped us. So I didn't bring it up, which I should have. Yeah. But however, uh, we stopped in a little town in Mississippi and um, on our way. And um, the, a doctor stopped on, on his way to, from work. And um, he was a surgeon. And so I, I brought up that as a child I had an accident. I asked him actually when he said that, that he was a surgeon, if he knew maybe a prosthetist or so who could help me fix the prosthetic leg. And he said, oh, yeah, I have a friend who sometimes does good deeds to poor people. You know, he sent a photo to his friend of my prosthetic leg and his friend was ready to fix it, which he did after some days when we came back to Homa. And so um, it cost about 10,000 bucks in America to do that. So he did it. You know? <laughs> and that's that is awesome. God's oh providence. Oh, God's providence. <laughs> this is so good. I wish the show could go on for three hours today, but it can't. You've been listening to Beyond Damascus, the show that brings you the life-changing encounters of ordinary people and launching them in the lives of extraordinary mission. Um, if, they w- if we wanted to find out about your congregation, how could we do that? It's on Facebook, right? And what are you yes. called? Yes, you can write poor friars and poor nuns of Jesus and Mary on Facebook and also uh, there is a website uh, simply poorfriar.net or poornance.net awesome and if you want to come also in Louisiana near of uh, we are we are living in Houma in the diocese of Houma Thibodeau southwest from New Orleans oh perfect so they're, they're stationed out of Louisiana go check them out this is amazing follow them on Facebook and, and learn more of their stories we're going to close in prayer In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. God, thank you for giving us a missionary calling. Thank you for this crew today, from conversion, to hitchhiking, to bringing down the mafia, to bringing (laughs) healing to those in need. Jesus, thank you for reckless evangelization. We pray that through their mission and through their call, uh, that you would be a witness to us, Lord, that we too can carry on the life to, to missionary zeal, in every area of our influence, in our families, in our workplaces, and everywhere you call us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
Thank you for your, your listening once again to Beyond Damascus, a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN and carried across the EWTN Global Radio Network. You can check out our podcast wherever podcasts are found, Beyond Damascus. And you can, of course, check out St. Gabriel Radio at www.stgabrielradio.com. 